Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Expanding our world, pushing boundaries, indulging our curiosity, inspiring by affirmation rather than negation have been the passion and personal history of my guest today. And to that end, Katie Winter's flagship program, the Museum of Education Foundations, takes a holistic look at schooling, exploring it in ways that combine history, philosophy, and art, and doing so through winter school preservation. Built in 1870, the Winter School was, and is, a one-room Kansas schoolhouse located just outside the Douglas County community of LeCompton. Eventually, local farmer Matthias Winter, Katie's great-great-great-grandfather, donated the land to form a district. Along with other rural schools, it functioned not just as a place of learning, but also a gathering place for the entire community. Today, under Katie's hard work, creativity, and hands-on commitment, the Winter School, which underwent a renovation that was completed in 2019, holds various classes and events, including film screenings, concerts, poetry nights, and lectures. And by the way, the property was recently added to the National Register of Historic Places. Before we begin our conversation, let me just say, in the spirit of full disclosure, Katie just happens to be my daughter-in-law. So Katie, welcome and thanks so much for joining me remotely from Kansas today. Hi, San. I'm excited to be here. Katie, talk about your relationship with education. Why has that had such an impact on you? Well, I I think that, um, I mean, just from growing up and, and being that schooling is one of the things that we spend most of our time in and we make a lot of relationships with, I mean, that just seemed curious to me. You know, we, we did that. Um, but I think what really inspired me to keep asking more questions about education was my experience, um, especially in junior high school, which was a pretty, you know, diverse school here. And we got along well and had a lot of friends and great teachers. And I think we were known as the poor school and the bad school and stuff like that in town. And I never really understood what that meant. So these were pejorative terms. Why? Lawrence, Kansas is not a place to be dismissed. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I mean, that's that was one of the questions I wanted to know. I mean, maybe that there were fights every once in a while, or there was more poor kids that went, or, you know, I'm not sure what test scores were like back then. I don't think there was as many, but um, yeah. So when we went to high school, we we combined with some other junior highs and basically lost track of a lot of my friends and, and noticed that I was in different classes than they were. Um, I was treated differently. I just don't think there was as much, I don't know, I guess, hope or resources or faith that my friends were as, I don't know, were able to be as successful or as intelligent as I am. And I certainly never saw that. Um, so I was just curious about what happened. So there was a lack of support among your friends. I guess so. I mean, that's, you know, that was one of the things that I went to school to to try to understand. I I my mom was a teacher and, um, you know, so education was kind of in our family, but I thought that I never wanted to be a teacher. I thought it sounded just so hard to manage all those, all those kids mm-hmm. and every day. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's an, an, an incredibly difficult job and I don't know, but I was still always really curious about it. And then when I found the program 
um, at the University of Colorado. It's called the Education, uh, the Foundations of Education. Basically, we studied like the philosophy and history and sociology of of education. And I thought, oh my gosh, that is exactly what I want to do. And I had no idea that it even existed. But you didn't go to the University of Colorado. No, I did for my master's. Oh, for your master's degree. Yeah. Okay. And then you said, we need to make changes. The status quo was just not working. Well, yeah. And I don't, I'm not sure that that is even where I started with. I think I more started with just kind of what's going on in education and just ask more questions and more questions. And, you know, people certainly have a lot of um, different ideas about schools and a lot of them are you know, schools are failing or kids are falling behind or the race to the top. I mean, there is just a lot of anxiety and hand-wringing and, and about schooling. And everybody, you know, a lot of people with good intentions are trying to fix it and work on it. Um, and, yeah, so I think just to get a better idea of where we came from um, has really helped me understand some of these issues and maybe some of the solutions. So translate that or move us over to how the winter school became so seminal in your life. You were aware, obviously, that you had this very rich history and that your family goes back generations in Kansas. But did you pay much attention to the fact that you guys (laughs) had a school that had your name? No, on, no, on I, I didn't. I remembered, um, let's see, I, I always remember being really proud that we've been in Kansas for so long. Um, and then if, and now that's just, you know, after doing a lot of history, it's just kind of a drop in the bucket um, with all the people that were here before. Um, but I think that lends a really interesting perspective of, um, you know, what our privileges have been and how schooling has worked for us and a lot of the other different institutions it has been a a very generous place for me and my family to grow up. And I think just wanting to extend that sort of hospitality to others is, is one of the things that we want to do with the schoolhouse. But um, yeah, so the schoolhouse was always there. My dad and my grandpa bought it back in the, in the 80s and it had been abandoned. It was working for 75 years and it was abandoned for 75 years. So there was volunteer trees. There was families of squirrels and skunks and everything living inside of it. It was a mess. It was a mess. It was a real mess. Um, Mm -hmm. And then so we just recently um, renovated it. And the idea, you know, when we started doing that, it was like, oh, well, what do you want to use it for? And so it's actually just has been kind of an incremental sort of, yeah, sort of natural progression of what we envision this place to be. And, and I do want to continue to have that fluidity and the flexibility and, um, of what we want it to be and with input from the community. So, um, you know, one of the first decisions we had to decide when we were renovating it was, you know, do you want people here? And we said yes. Hmm. So then we had to add a bathroom because there was no bathrooms. <laughs> the schoolhouse took on different potency for you, didn't it, than for, let's say, other family members. Renovating it and and bringing it, and I use the term in quotes, up to code is one thing, mm-hmm. but you saw your mission as something very different. I mean, I feel like it's a really great match, um, as you would say. Um, and then so one thing that my you know, kind of started my dad and my grandpa said bought it in the 80s and my grandpa's um, vision was to turn it into a museum. So put old desks back in and so people could come and see what it was like to live or to go to school in a one-room schoolhouse. 
But when we started thinking about it, it was like, well, there are a lot of those examples that exist, and that's a little bit more of a static use of the building. Um, and we right. wanted to kind right. of bring back the spirit a little bit. And like, as you said in your introduction, um, it wasn't just a place to learn lessons, but a real community place to gather and to learn and share from each other. So, you know, we wanted it to be kind of like a community center and focused on education. So it's basically an educational space about education. So we really want to have a place where people feel comfortable talking about and learning about anything, but um, mm -hmm. we want to make sure we're, we're starting conversations about what actually, you know, education is, what do we want from it, and so many things. I mean, it's a very complex topic. What did you learn that you didn't know? And then what did you want to change about that? You had a mission, like I said in the mm -hmm. introduction. Did you know that initially? From the beginning, we did want it to be more of a living, breathing place instead of just come and look and see what, what this is. Um, but that also, at the beginning too, we decided, um, wanted to kind of expand the perspective. So about what was going on in schools in Douglas County. So it wasn't just like people from my family, but what are people from other families doing? And so I think that's part of the privilege. You know, we have this platform and we have this wealth that we're able to like pass certain things down our generations. And so we just have a place and we wanted to make it inclusive. And, and certainly that's trending these days, but also mm -hmm. I feel like exclusivity is trending these days too. So I don't know, maybe I'm off base there, but um, yeah, like I said, we just want it to be a really welcoming place and make sure that there's representation, that people can see themselves and see stories about themselves that they might not see other places. Because, well, I can give you a good example. So in some of the research that we are doing just about people in Douglas County and what schooling might have been like during this era. So it was 1870 to, you know, the 1940s is what we're talking about. So we, we've taken a kind of a wide range. Um, so anyway, I found this um, guy named George Walker, and it turns out that he was very famous uh, on Broadway. He was like the first black man to write and to, you know, star in a, a play on Broadway. And so really? I was like, oh my, yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. This guy is like, <laughs> was super accomplished and famous, and I had no idea. I mean, you know, I grew up like and he was your neighbor. And he, yeah, basically. <laughs> and so and I was like, why do we uh -huh. not, like, we're so, we, we're so proud of so many things here in Lawrence. And so it's just, I, I just wondered kind of how that story got lost. Uh, I mean, certainly we've learned lots of things. The story of George Walker really inspired me, too, to keep looking and, and finding these amazing lives that people have led. Um, and just kind of as an example of who we can be. And mm -hmm. giving representation to the struggle and, and, you know, what can come out of that, the beauty that can come out of that. So he was, a, he was a vaudeville star. And that clearly there are so many George Walkers all over the place who, I don't want to say have been marginalized necessarily, but who history has forgotten. Yeah, exactly. I'm, and I'd love to bring those stories out more because mm -hmm. I think they're really inspiring. And I think that... You know, we we vault some people and not others. Um, but one of our one of our sayings is, you know, we're all stars. We all mm -hmm. have great qualities and worth. And and I think that sometimes, and whether it's through schooling or other structures that we have, it's people might feel less than. 
or um, like they don't belong or they don't fit in or they don't succeed mm-hmm. in this certain structure that we have called schooling. And so I do want those sort of people to know, you know, this is, this is not you. You know, whatever you were assigned your worth, this is not your intelligence. Like you have so much more. So in a way, this project had tentacles that maybe you weren't aware of. This was such a learning experience for you, you know, giving birth to the renovation of the schoolhouse and giving it a second life. Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been a lot of fun. And I think one of the biggest moments for the winter school is probably when I started working with my friend Megan, who's an artist. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was always kind of to make the space look kind of like an art museum, kind of like a history museum, but really trying to tell a story of education in a different way, like not academically, not politically, but like how can we tell some stories of education using art? And that was another thing I studied actually was art education um, and just how that has been marginalized so much. Um, And then just the ways of knowing around social studies and history and just things that you can't really measure very well. And so expression, personal expression through art is one of the things that you know, has been a casualty with a lot of these standardized testings and the accountability era. Is that also play into your phrase of inspiring by affirmation rather than negation? That's the, that's a really important piece in your world, isn't it? Yeah, I, <laughs> I think so. And I'm, I'm glad that you picked that out because now I don't have answers on what that would look like in a school or how to do it, but there's certainly is that's a possibility. We need to start as that as a possibility. I think so often like schooling kind of operates from this deficit-based approach. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, what you're lacking and what you don't have um, mm. and how you can get to where somebody else is. Or And so, yeah, for, for us, it's equally about asking students about, you know, their experience, their knowledge and getting them to learn how to express that instead of just having to like, judge, engage every single thing through some sort of matrix or, or numbers. And certainly those can be helpful for some things, but um, I don't think at the expense of certainly, you know, the intelligence of, of, of everyone. And I think we're miss. I just right. think that we're missing a lot, a lot of different perspectives and intelligence when, when we're just really super hyper-focused on a few literacies. And test scores. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, test scores. You're giving life to the whole experience. It's so much more than obviously a test score or a book report. Yeah. You get that sense when you visit the schoolhouse. I mean, I haven't been there in in quite some time, but it's a different dynamic that I felt. Yeah. And I want to be a place that's, you know, not hypocritical in our mission too. So like, we really want to listen to people. They probably have really great ideas about what they want from school and how it can and how it can look. I think we need to like create a community where we have we know how to talk about education a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that's really common, but it's not necessarily very well understood. You know, one of the ideas is to get students' perspective, everybody's perspective, but um, really the whole point of this is really to focus on those students who are just perpetually underperforming, left behind, feel shamed. Ignored. Ignored. So that's not a student like me. And mm-hmm. I don't want to claim again that I know the answers, but I would I, I do have a place where people can come. 
Yes, and that's obviously the point of the Museum of Education Foundations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just I, I just was so pleased with my education both at the University of Colorado, and then I took a few classes uh, at KU about curriculum and pedagogy, and I just had such a wonderful teacher, and he helped, you know, explain some of these things to me that I just feel would be so useful for everybody to know, since we're you know we're we're in this thing for at least eighteen years or whatever and we send our kids to school, then we're in it again. Then we're hiring people from schools, you know, our neighbors go to schools. So we're all stakeholders, but it does seem like there's just not quite as much interest and participation as there could and should be around topics of schooling. And so we want to make it fun. How has that worked with the winter school in terms of getting the word out and performing those tasks? Has it been a bit of a slog? Oh, it's been it's been very joyful, but I'd have to say it's been um, really slow because of <laughs> COVID. Mm. So we haven't we haven't even actually had like been able to have a big grand opening where we invite people on the property. So, but I think that's kind of one of the cool things that actually came out of the pandemic was that we had time to really build this curriculum, and we're gonna be, you know so the winter school is a physical place, but it's right. also something that everybody will be able to access where no matter where they are. So no it's going to be yeah, so we're going to we're going to roll out our curriculum in the spring and and we're just going to introduce some of these concepts and questions and ask for feedback and link to different resources um in case anybody's curious. And did you give birth to this by yourself? That piece is what kind of came out of when I met Megan. So she's an mm-hmm. artist and um we got a grant from the state of Kansas. And to create this curriculum, so it's but it's from the Arts Commission, and um, so it has to be you know integrated arts and artistic based. And she is, you know, an incredible artist in in many ways and thinker and really interested in Kansas history. Somehow, it's just always been um, something that she's been interested in. And so we just kind of, I guess, our hobbies are kind of like our work. So that's a really lucky place to be. I'm, I'm glad to be there. Well, I mean, I use the term really ad nauseum, but I think it so applies to you in spades in terms of it being a labor of love, even though it may at times have been incredibly overwhelming. And to that end, talk to me about the rules that you necessarily had to follow when it came to renovation. You had to do things a certain way, because as I mentioned, you're on the National Register of Historic Places. Did that come as a surprise to you, or is that a, one of your big goals? Well, luckily for us, we worked with um, an architect who has done and renovated a lot of old historic um, limestone buildings in the area. Okay. And mm-hmm. so he knew everything. We didn't. We really didn't have much to do with that process. I mean, he would explain mm-hmm. to us some things he was doing, ways to save the windows, way you know, ways to make the floors look like they did. And so, yeah, I, but going through that historic preservation process was was interesting. And, and I think one thing that we're interested in as far as history is not just the preservation of buildings, but the preservation of just some of these ideas that have stood, withstood the test of time and, and the stories of people who, whose lives are still relevant to ours. The social history. Yeah, social history. And, and there's, there's things that are consistent in every era and every you know, country in the world. And so finding those patterns and finding those ways that those are interconnected have been super fun. 
What's that been like for you to sit back and see not so much what you gave birth to, but how you nurtured this from where it was to where it is now? Did you ever think that you'd be where you are today? Yeah, I mean, I always hoped that I would be spending my time doing something that I really enjoyed with people that I really enjoy. And and that is kind of what I've always had in my head. But no, this this whole thing with the winter school is, has kind of come up organically and it's going to continue to change. And I mean, I guess that's part of our philosophy as well. It's just kind of being open and and finding boundaries and making sure we're just as ex- um, inclusive as possible because of the pandemic and and we are just finishing up some of these these curriculum things. I, f- I still feel like we're really at the very beginning and I don't know what to expect from the future, but I am really excited to get our stuff out there and, and get feedback on it. And that'll pose its own challenges, but we're proud of what we've done so far. But at the very least, you can be getting the word out to teachers and schools in the community where you live and grew up and that they can come back and see this history right in front of their faces. Yeah, there's actually something interesting going on in our community right now that's somewhat relevant to what things that we were talking about. Um, so they're trying to close a bunch of neighborhood schools. And I guess this happens It's quite often. And, and these are the sort of decisions that I don't know anything about. So um, there's so many people that are passionate and are, are working on like saying, please don't close our schools. And so that's kind of their spot on this educational, you know, spectrum. And and I think what we'll be able to offer is sort of like this perspective of how we got here and what are the same patterns that we're, that we are repeating by trying to close our poorest schools. And so it's just, it goes kind of back to this thing about, you know, arts and numbers and tests. It's just like, we need, you know, it's kind of looking at, kids and people as just like numbers and budgets. And and we're really just have lost the humanity a lot. And so it's really hard to talk about and try to advocate for things you can't see, um, especially when there are a lot of big budget crunches. But, you know, why schooling is important, why the relationships in schools are important is something that I think is, is we're going to explore and we're going to have, we're going to find better ways to talk about it. And somehow they all get lost in the shuffle, or that's just not mm-hmm. number one on the list. It's all about, like you're talking, uh, it's facts, and it's the bottom line, mm-hmm. and we've got to consolidate, and we don't have enough money, and that means raising taxes or all that other bullshit, you know, that 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 comes with this. And the meaning and the importance of it just gets so thrown by the wayside. You know, it's almost as if that, that line about everything old is new again. Come on, man, here we are. You know? <laughs> it's true. I mean, I think that... It's probably been going on, this over-rationalization of things for, you know, a couple centuries now. And um, if we could just really think about what we want from schools and what we want in our own lives and what we want for our children's lives and really have those conversations, then um, that would be a good starting point. I mean, it's not necessarily specifically talking about how to teach reading. It's not necessarily mm. what we're we're talking about, but we can. But, you know... Um, I think it's really starting about what do we want? What is the goal? What about you leading the conversation? Yeah, leading the conversation, I think that's a spot that I can do. I mean, I, I also, you know, a part of this whole exhibition that we're, we're starting with, our opening exhibition, is, uh, you know, we're asking the questions, well, 
what are we, what's the goal of school? What do we want from school? And then following up with, can it be neutral? And so I think that's hmm. a really important thing to think about is that everything is positioned, right? Like we all have biases. Um, right. We all have opinions. And then social structures are made from people. So like they are positioned, they are biased. And let's just figure out what the biases are and mm-hmm. where they came from and if that's what we want. And maybe we don't, maybe we do. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think the idea of schooling as a, ne- as a neutral place or as a meritocracy is a fairly damaging myth. Right, right. And that mm-hmm. might be the most radical thing I've said, but I don't, I'm not sure that, I'm not, I, I just, I don't know the arguments against saying that school is neutral. When you started out with all of this, did you realize the politics of this? No, and I still don't, mm-hmm. really. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, it seeps in, um, and I don't want to be completely politically out of, the, out of the loop, but I don't know if that's necessarily going to be my role. You wore a lot of different hats with this. I remember being with you, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact, on one visit that we went to somebody's house because oh, yeah. she had <laughs> um, a desk from back in the day, asking if she wouldn't mind donating to the winter school. A lot can be political. And then there must be so many other things that give joy. Step back and look at what you've done. It's really a big deal. Megan notwithstanding, I'm giving Megan credit also. But um, <laughs> I mean, what, you, what you've birthed, and, and it's more than just, hey, here's the past. It, there's, there's a mission here. Yeah, and I think that's really the, been the the most surprising and best part about it is that, like what you're saying, like people coming out and saying, hey, do you want an old desk? Or, you know, I know this ecologist and, you know, you have a, net, a remnant prairie or um, just talking to all these different people. And that's the thing that motivates me is these connections and these sort of curiosities, new curiosities that I didn't even know that I was interested in. And I think that's an example that I'd like to kind of set for what this place will be and and what spaces of learning and spaces of schooling and education can be. And those connections, those things that you can't see Mm. are exactly what, you know, we're talking about and the curiosities and and stuff like that. And the question asking, you can't really measure that stuff. Have you gotten a lot of press about what you're doing? Uh, Just over in New Jersey, New York area. (laughs) 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 No, we, (laughs) we, we will when we, when we, um, Open in the spring. Mm-hmm. And what's going to be the inaugural event? I, it hasn't been planned yet. We'll probably do a whole month of little events because it's a it's a very small space, um, mm-hmm. and we have you know we have about an acre or two of land that we want people to use too. But class trips could be something. Um, concerts. We did have a band out there the, for the first time mm-hmm. um, the other day, so mm-hmm. that was fun. We've had a couple classes. Somebody taught calligraphy. Somebody taught about uh, mushrooms. Somebody got engaged there. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, Uh yeah. Um, You know, historic preservation came and had a meeting. So I think it'll be hopefully used in a a lot of diverse ways. What has been the reaction of your daughters, my granddaughters, about this is where people went to school back in the day, a one-room classroom? They're in elementary school, but they're not oblivious to what this all is. How do they respond to it? I don't know. I'm not sure that they they think much about the schooling part of it yet. They, they're they just more interested in kind of running around and playing on the swing. 
<laughs> writing on the chalkboard. So, <laughs> but could they imagine way way back in the day that that's where kids went to school in a one room building? Yeah, I mean, I should ask him. You should ask him, San. But I haven't. Mm-hmm. We haven't had that conversation. I think part part of the value for me of what they're getting now is just knowing that education is something we can talk about and it's fun to talk about and it's cool to have opinions on it and just let's let's talk about what you like let's talk about what you don't like and um, let's go from there I can't imagine that hard work notwithstanding give you joy about what you've done and how it marries your own creativity and your own strong beliefs what a perfect venue for all of that oh my gosh I've been so lucky I feel so happy about it. Well, it's more than luck. I mean, I, mean, I kind of get annoys me. <laughs> okay, fine. But you know what? Nobody suffers fools gladly. You know, our curriculum and, and our exhibition is really well researched, and, and we have, um, you know, a variety of different mm-hmm. um, disciplines and a, a variety of different ways that people can engage with the exhibition. A lot of opportunities for further learning. So, no, we've definitely thought a lot about it, and we'll continue to do so. You should wear a big sign that says, I'm involved with the National Register of Historic Places. <laughs> a big sandwich board, okay. I think, because that's not so simple either. You know, they just don't hand that stuff out. Well, I know, but that that is also very interesting to me, too. So I was doing this historic preservation stuff, and it's like, oh, my gosh, this building here has been here a really long time, since 1870. It's in good shape. But then we find out there's, a, you know, a native prairie that's been here for 10,000 years, and... You know, that to me is more of the historical wonder and something that that should be valued. And, you know, there's stories of, you know, the Native people, their stories are not right. preserved in history the same way that our stories are preserved. So, yeah, it's definitely something that, that we're proud of and, and mostly to use it as a, a tool to explore what we mean by history, too, and what we can learn from it. I grew up right there. You know, we know... Much more about this whole, you know, one-room schoolhouse, but, you know, don't know about the experience that other kids were having simultaneously, you know, being away from their homes, having their hair cut, being very scared. and class citizens, yeah. Exactly. And so I think that those are, you know, important to share, too. I don't think anybody's proud of that. It's history. Yeah, and I don't think we should be scared to look at it. I mean, that's part of the thing is, like, you know, we need to look at our vulnerabilities you know, it, you can say that socially, individually, um, look at some of the things that we've, you know, our insecurities, things that we've done in the past. And I think that everybody is strong enough to do that and and kind of look about how that makes them feel and then kind of move on and, and make different decisions going forward. Absolutely. Well, this has really been interesting, Katie. I learned so much. I have been to the winter school. It's been in your family for generations and generations, but that you gave birth to this and how how it's become just such an important part of your life and will be an important part of other people's lives. So that that's something that you should relish and savor because you're really performing a public service. Well, thanks, Anne. I always I always like talking to you and and I look up to you a lot for, you know, but kind of following your hobbies and and your curiosities. There's always room and time for a part two and continue doing the work that you're doing. And it's great that it's we benefit from it and you benefit from it. Well, thank you, San. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Mm-hmm.